The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle Up. with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shatter, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome to the new era. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. It is Wednesday afternoon. It is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. Busy show this Wednesday afternoon as the Jaguars get ready to head to Foxborough. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We've got NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks coming up. Jaguars.com, the great senior writer, John Osier, a coaching candidate tracker. You can get the full tracker on Jaguars.com. Yes, there are some names that have been reportedly linked to the Jags, and we'll look ahead to Week 17, the Jaguars and the Patriots. John Osier with me here. Bucky Brooks is out in Los Angeles, and uh, good afternoon to you, Bucky. What's up? What's up, fellas? How we doing? Oh, you know, it's week 17. Uh, the team's lost, what, seven in a row? I've lost count now, John. Seven? Yes. There's uh, Social media is not the place to be, and uh, so beyond that, it's going just fine. Bucky, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm just focused on this week, just trying to get through uh, the weekend, see if we can get a win against the Patriots. That would be a nice little capper to the end of the year. Start off the new year. It'll be a good start to the new year, new year 2022, you know. Listen, I mean, listen to this guy. Did you not get the uh, the zipper memo, Bucky? The, uh, <laughs> the quarter zip, no, so, quarter zip so memo here, here, today? Now, here's what it is. So it's, it's part of a, a new thing because we're going into a new era of Jaguars football. So what I want to do is up to Annie personally to see if I can change the luck down in Jacksonville. So maybe I'm going to take it up a notch. So instead of maybe wearing my sweatshirts and customary stuff, like maybe I'll kind of go Tom Coughlin style and maybe suited and booted a little more. Well, that's you know? a solo flight, Buck. I can tell you that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even going to put on my hard shoes. My hard <laughs> shoes, I'm wearing my socks and make sure I'm always appropriate. We're going to make sure we show up five minutes early for everything, all that other stuff. We can go back. We can go all the way back. We turn okay. the clock. Solo flight. That's great. Um, <laughs> We'll get to all the breaking news on the COVID-19 reserve list coming up in just a little bit that uh, they've added some names today. No names taken off. We'll get to the full list coming up. Well, plenty of coaching candidates have been linked to the Jaguars over reports over the last two days. Yesterday, they could officially start reaching out to other teams. And there are eight names that have been linked to the Jags. You can catch them all on Jaguars.com. John Osier, you have put together a coaching tracker uh, there they are on your screen the eight names that have been linked to the jaguars bowls caldwell Eberflus, hackett leftwich moore peterson and quinn and reports today that dan quinn will not interview for the jags but uh as of this morning there you go it's fine seven's enough it's a lot eight is enough yeah. seven's good yeah i'm fine with that and uh you know i i like the list but i think we talked last week uh I'm a Caldwell guy. I worked with him for 10 years in Indy. Uh, respect everything he's about, but that doesn't mean he's the only good candidate. Uh, to me, it, it seems like there is a clear leadership angle here. I think all these guys, from what I know of them, you probably know them better than I do, uh, qualify with the one thing that I want is a leader of men, uh, somebody who the players can look at and respect and can set an organizational tone. Uh, professional football, all these guys have been in the, in the league and around the league a long time, at least a decade, I think. Uh, if, if you count the playing time of uh, Leftwich and, and uh, 
more. I'm sorry. So I I like the list. Anything stand out for you, Buck? Yeah, there are a couple of interesting names on the list. Um, look, I'm on record saying that I believe this is one that you have to think about someone who has done the job before uh, because this is going to be tough to have on-the-job training with the depth of the, the rebuild, like where you have to pull the Jaguars out of, particularly after the last episode with Fire. Uh, Jim Caldwell certainly is a candidate that fills the bill. Uh, everything you hear about him is outstanding in terms of like how he is with players, how he is with people around the building, his plans and the success that he's had. Uh, Doug Peterson is another one that is a good one, Super Bowl winner, uh, a guy who certainly understands how to put the program together. I think within you also have to kind of try and see if you can connect the dots because if Trent Baalke is going to continue as a general manager, what is the working relationship going to be like with some of these guys? Ty Bowles might be a name that you want to keep in mind. Ty Bowles is a Bill Parcells disciple. Um, when you think about Balky, Balky has a relationship, a tight relationship with Bill Parcells as well. So maybe they see football through the same uh, vision and viewpoint. So that could be something. And naturally, Byron Leftwich being a Jaguar who understands the culture that's been around the Jaguars, has been in the building, has played on that field. Players will certainly be able to relate uh, to him. And so I think it's a very, very good list. And, you know, we just kind of see what it work, what it looks like after the first set of interviews and after the Jaguars determine what is it that they want in the next head coach, how do they want to kind of build this out for the next era of Jaguars football. And uh, JP, I think I can, I can speak for you on this too. I feel like I know Nate Hackett very well, uh, the Green Bay offensive coordinator from his time here. No doubt. Uh, I feel fortunate that I was able to get to know Nate very well in, in 2017, a little bit in 18. Uh he was sort of the one who came up late uh, yesterday as, as the last guy on this list, but I don't want to uh, give him short shrift. I think he'd be an outstanding head coach. I think at some point he's going to get a job and do a great job. Uh, he's a lifer, if you will. His father was uh, Paul Hackett. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate knows football as well as anybody and knows people as well as anybody on this list. I, I can say that. So, uh no problem with Nate on that list either. Bucky, how do you hey, think? Can, can, yeah, I, ahead, can I ask? Can I Because I don't, I don't yeah. know Nate as well, but I do know his dad. I played for his dad in Kansas City, and his dad um, was a lifer. His dad was uh, up under Marty Schottenheimer when I played for the Kansas City Chiefs. So his dad certainly knows how to coach and lead a program. And I know Nate was there, obviously during the 2017 season, the last time the Jaguars were really prominent. Um, Give me a little more because I've seen him. I was around him at Syracuse when uh, he was with Doug Marone and those guys. But how is he? Because you talked about his preparedness. I just haven't been around him enough to really speak on how good he would be as a leader in that building, a place where he's been before. I think pretty good as a leader. He, he, I'm not sure what the word is, he gets it from talking to him on the side about football uh, when he was here. I think he understands how the building works. I think he understands uh, that part of it. Would he relate to defensive players? I guess I don't have anything tangible on that, JP. It's just my sense. I've been around a lot of coaches uh, over 26, 27 years doing this, and he just feels to me like a guy that can relate to players. Seems like um, a straight shooter. He's not yeah, a straight shooter. Yeah. Uh, you know, he uh, – I just know that 2017, they were not the most talented offense. Ended mm-hmm. up sixth in the league in total offense. Yeah. You know, yeah. people think of that team as, 
as all defensive team, uh, he squeezed a lot out of Blake Bortles and a lot out of the ability to get the most out of that offense. And I never talked to any players who didn't have a great deal of respect for him. I guess being a coordinator, I don't have that much tangible as far as leadership. It's more of a sense that I think he would do a good job with it. Didn't it switch up kind of as the year went along? They ran the ball a lot early in the season, and then once late November, December came around, that's when Blake got hot, right? Yeah. Uh, and they kind of followed yeah. that trend. Yeah, very much. I mean, I respect him a great deal as an X's and O's guy, and I, I saw nothing to make me think he couldn't handle the leadership role. Uh, maybe I'm clouded because I like the guy a lot, but I sensed that out of no, him that he'll be able to do it. Yeah, here's what I know. My experience with him was watching the work that he did with Ryan Nassib at Syracuse when Doug Marone was there. And I would say that Ryan Nassib, uh, quarterback prospect, was eventually drafted maybe by the Giants in the fourth round, wasn't necessarily the most talented, but they were they found a way to generate a lot of offense. And it was very creative. It was a lot of smoke and mirrors things that they did to maybe make him play at a level that wasn't his level. And so the reason why that kind of stands out to me is when you think about Trevor Lawrence being a young quarterback in the system that Trevor Lawrence played in at Clemson, I believe Hackett is not too far removed from the college game to incorporate some of those concepts and ideas to have Trevor Lawrence get going. Because let's be honest, it is about getting the young quarterback going while also building it around it. And so there needs to be some of that creativity available to be able to help the young quarterback get going and bring about the other pieces of the offense. So his name is an interesting name, even though I can't personally vouch for him having not been in the building with him. Yeah, a lot of the conversations I had with Nate, and I'm not giving anything away, it's been four years, You know, were about getting the most out of these guys. Uh, I think he, he knew what Blake was and wasn't as a quarterback. Uh, I think most people did by then. Um, he was able to get an awful lot out of that offense, a lot, awful lot out of what Blake could and couldn't do, and uh, the same with a lot of the players. Um, you know, Fournette was here as a rookie, and I just recall him talking a lot about um, being able to use what those players could and couldn't do to their advantage and within the framework of the way Doug wanted games called, which – they didn't want – I mean, uh, Doug didn't want to, at that point uh, Blake throwing the ball over the field. No. Uh, you know, they wanted to be able to control within the system of what the Jaguars were doing defensively. Neither so, did Tom Coughlin, but yeah. Well, right. yeah, I mean, it, it, it was uh, – within a tricky circumstance, I thought Nate got a lot out of that team that year. And then it all kind of blew up next year. And uh, frankly, I thought Nate – I never thought Nate should have been fired. I uh, – mm-hmm. Didn't think that anything going on that year. It felt a little bit like uh, they had to make some change, and Nate kind of drew the short straw. And, uh, you know, I was sorry to see him go at the time. I'd love to see him back. Uh, can I mention one other guy because I didn't get a chance? Uh, Matt Eberflus from the Indianapolis Colts. What I would tell you is in watching his work and watching his work over the years, one thing that I can respect about him and what I know about people that have been around him he has a way of being able to get his teams to play really, really hard. And because he is in the division, there's a level of familiarity that might give him an edge over some of the others when it comes to building out the Jaguars. I will say that he is a Rod Marinelli disciple. And if you've been around Rod Marinelli, Rod Marinelli is a guy who's no nonsense when it comes to high standards, high demands, high levels of accountability and commitment from the players. And in turn, they respond with a player-driven culture that performs at a high level. 
just keep an eye on him because there are a lot of good things that people say about him and the work that they've done in Indianapolis when he took on a job where he's working with Frank Wright, who wasn't the guy that hired him to be the defensive coordinator, but yet this team has played really well with those guys in leadership positions. Guys, we'll come back in a moment and take a look at the latest additions to the reserve COVID-19 list. A few more names added this morning and a few more names added this afternoon for the Jaguars who are out of the building working today. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Cadillac of Jacksonville and Fields Cadillac St. Augustine, members of the Fields Auto Group. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Right now, we're still working through um, a ton of the COVID stuff that we got that we have going on here. Uh, we added a couple more guys today, and um, you know, we're still what the main focus right now is just to, is being able to field the team, get the, get these guys out on the field, and um, you know, we'll have to see later in the week how the how the new ruling is going to be able to affect us. That's Daryl Bevel earlier today, and welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, and John Ozier. Yes, John. I. I'm not sure I've ever heard, and I'm not trying to overplay this, doing this over two and a half decades, I'm not sure I've ever heard a, a, a realer press conference than Daryl Bubba gave. That was striking, that, well, that, that quote there, yeah, trying to field time. a team. and That puts your antennas up. Yeah, that was real and wasn't necessarily entertaining. Most people won't notice it, but uh, <laughs> it's real. I don't think he has any – I mean – I don't think he has any idea what the team's going to look like, and I, they're not sure what to do. They I mean, added it's... they added two to the COVID nineteen list this morning. One on the active list, one on the practice squad list, and then added some more this afternoon. So five total today. So twenty five total players combined between the active roster, practice squad, and injured reserve are now on the COVID-19 lists associated with them. They're on your screen there. Now, many of these guys, I think, can come off, right? Yeah, if they, so, if they, if they swabbed and were negative or, or positive over the weekend, like Saturday, Sunday, then the, that clock kind of starts then right. now because of the new rule change. But the so overall you might see some of these you guys, just don't know. You might see some of these guys coming back, but you might not. If there are symptoms, Bucky – uh, who knows who's going to be out there and ready? And this is an incredible challenge for uh, a Jaguars interim coach and staff trying to put things together. Because otherwise, Bucky, I thought they had him this week. If it hadn't been for COVID, I thought. <laughs> yeah. If not well, for this, look, I mean, like it, it, it look is just as big of a challenge for the Patriots not knowing who is going to run out the tunnel and do those things. They got to figure out who those new numbers are that could be running around. Let me say this though about Bevel. Look, he is in a tough spot. He's been in a tough spot for the second year in a row. He took over for Matt Patricia in Detroit. He now takes over for Coach Meyer in Jacksonville. And the situation certainly hasn't been perfect. Obviously, it's not perfect. That's why he's been elevated to the position. But I think it's refreshing to have someone who has a level of professionalism to the job that you can respect. And I don't know where he goes from him, but I certainly think that he will earn a level of respect from his peers around the league because this is not an enviable situation. And for him to try and get the team to not only play and play hard, but to maybe figure out a way to play well, if he's able to get them to have some semblance of success on Sunday, man, he deserves a standing ovation because I don't know how anybody can get a team ready to play in these circumstances that the Jags are currently dealing with. 
this would rank JP with, again, I'm not hyperbole guy. Would be one of the biggest upsets in the last decade, decade now. I mean, maybe ever. If this Jaguars team, it would have been huge anyway. But this Jaguars team with the COVID nineteen playing yeah, a motivated would, Patriots team in Fox. I mean, come on, it, it, it's uh, you know, you never say never in the NFL. But I, I think you can say never. But they're I signing mean, guys off the street and practice squads today. Right. I mean, like that's. It's, that will probably have to play if, if some of these guys aren't available. It speaks overall, Bucky, and I think you have a better perspective on this than I do. I, I cover the Jaguars. I'm in it all the time. I watch a few games on TV other than that. But I guess we're just being immersed locally into a story that's been going on uh, in the last couple of weeks. And I, I think the NFL is just scrambling and sort of limping to the finish here. I don't particularly blame them because I'm not sure how else you do it. You've got to get the season in there, trying to get it done. But it says it. This feels more chaotic and loose by definition than than the end of last season was. I don't know if you feel that too, Bucky. Yeah, I feel it because it's a different set of circumstances. Like last year, we felt like that. Okay, we we're able to get control of it. Um, you had a level of understanding on how it was going to go, and then the way the season started. It was as if, like, hey, we're back, fans are back in the stands, teams are going. Yeah, we have some of these protocols, but it wasn't that big of a deal. And then in the middle of the season, an explosion of outbreaks and cases and these things hit. And so now everyone is is scrambling. And what it is doing, it is not only testing your ability to get your frontline players ready to play, but it's testing how have you built the team in terms of managing the practice squad? How have you prepared your young players who may not have played, but are you still getting them ready to play? Because we come to the end of the year, your young guys or those unheralded guys that were kind of dismissed early in the season, they're now the ones that you're counting on to win games. And it's not only in Jacksonville, but it's for some of these playoff teams that need to win games. And they're counting on guys who, I mean, they may have been in the building for two weeks. It is unlike anything that I've seen, and it's even a bigger challenge than it was last year because of the way that it exploded in the middle of this season. The Saints on Monday night had a tackle who had not played since 2017, who yeah. got in the game in the fourth quarter. It has a slight parallel to the 87 replacement games. Yeah, right. Not uh, – yeah. I, yeah. I get it's different, but I remember I, I was a fan that year, my last year of college, so I'm old. But, it, it uh, you know, there were teams that had some players, teams that didn't have some players. Uh, the uh, Washington football team was the only yep. team that didn't have anybody cross. You know, it's different. I get that. But it, the last week of that strike season had that same feel where uh, it was that famous game where the Cowboys and the Washington football team played. The Washington football team beat them, and they had replacement players coming across, but it was chaos. Um, this feels a lot like that, and it's, uh, you know, I don't know if the quality of play is that great, but it's going to be interesting. Uh, well, yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's on television. Yeah. It'll be interesting, and, that's for sure. You know, I think Bucky made the point. That year, the Joe Gibbs team wound up winning it all, uh, partially because they handled the strikes so well. That's right. Um, because they had three games that they won because of that and got home field or whatever. These last few weeks, you get the idea that organizations that handle it well, and the, and the Jaguars it won't matter because they're out of it, but the organizations that handle it well at the top, they could benefit uh, from circumstances that hurt teams that aren't as prepared. So my two cents hey um, let's uh, take a time out we'll come back and take a look at the new england patriots speaking of well-run organizations yeah. 
They're one of them. They've done some things pretty well over the years. Uh, This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. It it adds some challenges for sure. Obviously, uh, you'd rather have everybody together. It makes things easier. You get more time uh, with your guys and to to be together and to talk about different things and to go over the game plan. But um, everyone's kind of going through similar things, maybe not at the same time, but through this whole season, everyone's kind of been faced with the same challenges. So um, just managing that, obviously, just being mature, um, handling it the, the way you're supposed to handle it and um, take care of your business and just counting on everybody to do that. Obviously, it's hard when you lose a lot of guys and you're not sure who's going to be back for game day. That That is more challenging, I'd say, than, than the Zoom aspect of it. So uh, we're working through that right now. You know, today we did as much as we could, um, had a good had a good mental day, moved around a little bit. Um, and just trying to get whoever whoever can play all, all those guys ready and uh, had a good start today. That's Trevor Lawrence today, of course, and welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier. The Jaguars face the New England Patriots this coming Sunday. It's on the schedule. The Jaguars have 25 players on the reserve COVID-19 list. Trevor Lawrence is not one of those. He uh, spoke with the media today. One more of those pregame next week, and then uh, all of a sudden the season's over. John, hello. Um, You're deep in thought here. Well, what's, what's wrong? Can you imagine? And I say this with I have an incredible respect for Trevor Lawrence at 22 years old, what he has handled this year. But can you imagine every once in a while when he gets in the car on the way home, what he must think <laughs> in terms of what he's going through right now? He's been asked to be the spokesman of the organization at 22 years old, which. I get that he's the number one pick, but he's still a kid and having to put in the responsibility of you must be the spokesman. You must handle it all with maturity. He went through the urban stuff. He's, he's going through his rookie year. And now COVID is exploding around him. He's got to speak to that. Mm-hmm. At some point, he must walk in the door to Marissa and just put his head on the shoulder and just cry. <laughs> I mean, I would. I mean, and again, I'm trying to be funny with yeah. that, but Bucky credit this kid for how he has handled and continues to handle is it unprecedented i don't know but it's got to be up there in the rushmores of weird rookie seasons oh absolutely and that's why i think we have to ignore the outside noise from those who are taking shots at trevor lawrence about his rookie season like it's one thing if just the issues if he was just focusing on ball and having to do all that and then the numbers came in as they were But, I mean, he has had to deal with a circus act for most of the season. I mean, the guy is 22 years old. He's the number one overall pick. He doesn't really get named a starter until the middle of training camp. I mean, really, the the, the second or third preseason game, he gets that. And then three weeks later, he's having to kind of answer and address for circumstances that aren't within his control. And then you have this. You have him taking over as the leader. You have his coach being fired. He takes over and he has all this other stuff swirling around the organization and he's expected to play at a high level. It's one thing to be an NFL player. We all can deal with distractions, but what he has been tasked with, it is unprecedented. I mean, he he can't even get to the ball part of it because he's dealing with all the stuff that happens away from the field. I'll just be happy if next year Trevor Lawrence is just able to focus on football and just being able to throw the ball from point A to point B on a, a spiral on, on time and on target. That's what I hope for him because this year he is not supposed to handle all the stuff that he has on this plate. 
know what the new coach needs to tell him, JP? What's that? Go rest, sleep. <laughs> when you wake up in a couple of months, we'll talk. Just get yeah. away. I mean, I remember Baselli. I'm sure you've heard this story from Tony talking about his last day, the day after the last uh, rookie uh, game in uh, 1995, his, 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 uh, his rookie season. And he said all he wanted to do was get away from football, get away from Tom, get away from everything. It wasn't Tom, but it was just that it had been so much. All right. Well, Baselli didn't go through anything in 95 compared to this game. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. So that's the spirit of a lot of – a lot of players have that at the end of a lot of seasons. But for Trevor – just get away, relax. You're fine. Come back. We'll talk football when you come back and you're ready. That leads us into a polar opposite situation for a rookie quarterback, and that rookie quarterback is Mac Jones in New England. They've got the parts around him. They've got, of course, an established coaching staff. Um, they've got everything kind of going the right way around Mac Jones, and his production is – uh, really been strong because of that, Bucky. You see the numbers there on your screen, 67% passing, some touchdowns, 12 interceptions, but uh, you know there's been moments uh, where he's really stood out and played well. What, what do you think of Mac Jones' rookie season? And it is the – I think it's the success of the group around him that kind of – he doesn't have to do it all by himself. Yeah, I think when you look at Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, I think it's the nature versus nurture debate. Uh, the natural talent, the guy who's the more talented guy is Trevor Lawrence, but the environment around him has not allowed him to really flourish. Mac Jones, meanwhile, is in a perfect environment in terms of he has a great coach, he has a great coaching staff, he has an organization that has stability. Uh, the pieces around him have um, handled the responsibility of playing well and making it very, very light on him. And he's been asked to really manage the game. And there's nothing wrong with being a game manager, particularly when your team wins games. And this is how the Patriots have operated for years. Uh, the thing about Mac Jones is in the last couple of weeks, as we get closer to the postseason, what great teams do is they force teams to play left-handed. And what teams have been able to do is they've been able to take away the running game at times. Uh, they've been able to attack the defense and they put it on Mac Jones to have to play quarterback. And he hasn't been able to do it at a high level. And so some of that might be Mac Jones hitting the rookie wall because this is a marathon. It's a long season. And another part of that is, hey, man, this is where he is, and he doesn't have the superpowers to play the game on his own accord where he has to improvise and do some of those other things that some of the elite quarterbacks are able to do with their talent. And so it'll be interesting to see which Mac, J Mac Jones shows up against the Jaguars on Sunday. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask Bucky, as a matter of fact, was – Last couple of games, uh, a little bit down to earth, and that you would expect that, considering that he is not an above the X's and O's quarterback this year. Uh, it would be fascinating to me to see how, not this week, I think he'll be fine this week, because I'm not sure the Jaguars had anything to fool him with. But as the playoffs go on, does he make plays above the X's and O's, or do you see more of the 14 to 32? Mm -hmm. uh, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. I, I don't think he's that guy, but where is he going to be in the middle of it? Um, he has really benefited from being in an outstanding organization this year. Yeah, sure. They can run the ball. They got all, all kind of stuff going on for them. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting because if I'm the Jaguars, I'm Joe Cullen. I throw everything at him. I come at him with everything because the easiest way to get young guys, like the guys that he's going to be tasked with to play, 
is, man, you might as well dial up blitzes and make it very, very simple in the back end. Hey, man, we're going to play cat defense. You got that cat. Run with that guy all over the field. We're going to bring fresh in bliss, and we're going to see if Mac Jones can hold up. Uh, trying to do something else where you're going to fool him with zones and disguise and all that other stuff. You're playing to his hands. Uh, I think you got to be aggressive and come after him because, look, no one expects the Jaguars to win or keep this game close anyway, so you might as well take your shot. I mean, you may knock him out. See who's available for the Jaguars also. That could change who knows what and when on uh, both sides of the football. This Sunday, a little too early to tell on that uh, on this Wednesday. Let's come back. Hey, final thoughts straight ahead. And I know there are many. I got some thoughts. John has some thoughts. Bucky certainly does. I'm out of thoughts. This is Jaguars. Uh, this is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. We're back. Final moments of Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, the Jaguars, and the New England Patriots coming up at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, a place the Jaguars have never won, Bucky. They'll try to snap that skid this week. Yeah, I got bad memories of the last time I played up there was the uh, AFC Championship game when we went up there, and it was frigid and cold, and we had a couple turnovers that cost us a shot at that uh, Super Bowl. Otis um, Smith. So I would love for us. Yeah, Otis Smith picking one off and going back. We blew a couple red zone opportunities. Uh, I think Tom might have swiped a play card from uh, Gilbert and take over and call some plays and all that yeah. other stuff. So it was I'm not cold that day it, too, Buck. That was cold. Hey, you know, you know what's so silly about that? Like, Osha, I don't know if you ever got perspective on that, but that was a day in which uh, Clyde Simmons and the guys were like, "Hey, man, we're gonna show them how tough we are. Today's a no sleeves day." We're going to go out there and play with no sleeves. And so my silly self goes out there with no sleeves trying to return a kick. And I will tell you, I have never been more distracted in the game. The only thing I thought about for the first half was how I can either sit on the hot bench, stand beside the heater, or put on the big jacket. That is the only thing I thought about for about 30 minutes. And then at halftime, I put on appropriate gear, and I actually felt like I could concentrate on the game. But prior to that, I was not concentrating or focused. Veteran leadership let you down. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Tough Bucky over here. Jeez, real intimidating. Not smart. Don't let let equipment beat you. That's what I will advise. Well, I'll be dressed warmly, Bucky. Out of the number of things you'll worry about this weekend, Bucky, don't worry about me not being warm enough. <laughs> I mean, I think I saw you a little bit in New York. You looked like you were appropriately attired. I, hey, I expect you to be fully equipped for this one because that uh, that cold in Foxborough is a little different. It is than different. Some other, yeah. yeah it's, some of the cold, yeah, no doubt. JP? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be um, not – Crazy cold, though. But it's rainy, I think. I think there's a chance for some yeah, rain. Yeah, Sunday, 52 rain. The next day, the kind of it gets a little colder. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, JP. Like, rain, inclement conditions, that's not really for me. I'm a 75, 80-degree sunny. You live in Los Angeles now. That's why. I, mean, I am. But even in Jacksonville, like, hey, I like, it, I, like it, I like it nice and warm and hot. I'd rather deal with that than the other stuff. I want ball to be played where it's not it's – not, um, something that is holding us back from being able to maximize our potential. So, no. No cold weather games for me. Well, they're going to play some ball this week, JP. Yep. They are. They are. That much I know. Yep. They're going to tee it up 1 o'clock Sunday. And, Bucky, we'll talk to you uh, a little later in the week. 
Hey, man, let's have fun. Let's do it. But well, right, the well-dressed, as always, Bucky Brooks joining us on the program. And the not-so-well John And Ogier then there's us. Shadrick. Yeah, <laughs> that's John Osier. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber. Uh, have a good one. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network.